Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I am joined by a pop socket enthusiast, Catherine <laughs> Rubino. Hey, how are you, Joe? Good, good. Uh, I, I mean, you don't use a pop socket on your phone, and I feel like it, you're missing a trick. Like, there's like a clear benefit. But I mean, maybe my hands are just smaller than yours. Well, they are, but maybe that's part of it. But it's yeah. it's so convenient, and you can add different colors or designs or patterns. I personally prefer a Minnie Mouse pop socket. Yeah, all right. <laughs> listen, just... listen, at a certain point in quarantine, these are the things that we care about to keep ourselves sane. Fair enough. You're so dismissive. It's it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, it, uh, yeah, it's, I have a, a case for my phone, right? so it's similar, but then I just bought the case for my phone, and then that became the case for my phone, and then I was done. I have a lot of issues. I have a lot of issues with that statement. Um, mm. <laughs> and I also have numerous cases, because not every case that I like turns out to be as effective as I thought it was going to be, and so well, I have to have different true. options. I mean, also... You might want a different color palette for your phone, depending on, you know, what you're doing, what you're wearing. No. Yeah. No, I do not. I mean, okay. You know, just because you think a certain way doesn't mean that you're right. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, this is the internet's most serious and professional legal podcast, as we've been as we've been told. You don't need to fact check that. Uh, but we have we have been told that. Although I didn't believe it when I heard it. But we're here to do a quick recap of the week in legal news as we've been seeing it. We've had some changes around the legal world. Most importantly, we, we've gotten through one cycle of bar exams. We're looking into September exams coming up, and we're already starting to see some states realize that based on what happened in July, that that's a dumb idea. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like somebody should have said that to them the entire time. Yes. And we also are seeing... You know, I, I think that we keep on coming back to the subject of bar exams on this podcast, but it's for a bunch of really good reasons. First of all, the various bar examiners don't appear, by and large, from backing away from that requirement. There might be you know, sort of like moving the chairs around on the Titanic sorts of changes that you are diligently covering. And, you know, my hat's off to you for actually trying to keep all, every state's various requirements in line and, and, you know, up on to date on our website so that, you know, folks actually know what's going on. And that was a compliment. So that that's your allotment for probably a solid 10 days now. Fair enough. Okay. Okay, good. I, I will sure. duly note that. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, but, you know, there are a lot of things going on in the world of bar exams. It's an incredibly important test if you've gone to law school and would now like to actually practice and have some ability at some point in your life to pay back the, you know, $100,000 plus worth of loans that you've likely taken out. So it's a, it's a big deal and it is changing rapidly. And from my perspective, it seems like a lot of folks who are in charge just keep on putting their foot in their mouth, don't they? Yes. So I mean, that was a thing that, I mean, you got real, real annoyed this morning about some stuff that was going on. Yeah, I think that's, that's a I fair mean, way of putting it. You don't usually have emotions. So even anger is an emotion. 
Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> See, I, I had a counterbalance complimenting you earlier. So mm, mm, yeah, it's a give and take. Yeah. So the things you need to do in order to you know be a licensed attorney mm-hmm. is you need to take the bar exam. You do uh, pass it. In Not theory, just take it. <laughs> uh, you need to take it. Uh, you then have to take the. You also have to have taken the. MPRE, the ethics test. Correct. And now there's a new requirement, which is you need to have not crossed the people who run the NCBE. Well, that seems a little strange. Yeah, that, you, that one that one seemed like it doesn't really uh, belong. It seemed like somebody tried to slip that past the goalie there. I um, don't really know what's going on. Yes. So the new requirement is that uh, the new requirement was unveiled during a virtual law conference that happened yesterday as we're recording this, where the head of the NPRE outlined that she feels that she and her colleagues at the, not not at the NCBE, sorry, I think I said NPRE, she feels that she and her colleagues at the NCBE are being treated unfairly, mm-hmm. uncivilly, and unprofessionally. And she says that it borders on harassment. Note, she's not saying that it's harassment, but she's saying it's, you know, borders on, which is a... So say, listen, I'm a woman who writes on the internet for a living. I'm quite versed on online harassment, and, and it didn't seem, didn't seem like that was what was going on. I think that she actually had some example of what she called harassing or borderline harassing behavior, but my recollection was that it wasn't that... It, what, what was it? She cited a... Yale Law Practitioner's Tweet, which is a fun little parody account out there if uh, people are looking for somebody to follow, that, you know, just says, just makes some jokes about the internet. And what this particular tweet said was that she was going to appear at this event and that people should definitely show up, uh, register for it, and do their part to ask her tough questions on the back end of it, which seems entirely reasonable. This is what she identified as a tweet that was problematic. So so have, having people ask her questions about the NCBE's policy is problematic. After reading, looking at this tweet, she says, this is what's representative, at least to her, of her online harassment, which uh, it is A, not, and B, <laughs> it's indicative of what was really going on. Uh, this is not a statement that she feels there is genuine harassment out there. It is a designed, targeted statement put there to chill speech on the part of people who would criticize what the NCB is doing. And among the things the NCB is doing, from by all accounts, they are in opposition to a motion being proposed at the ABA to just call upon states to take into account public health concerns when it comes to in-person bar exams. They're well, opposed I mean, to that. It's not like there's a pandemic going yeah, on. Yeah, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, there's a level of targeted cruelty on their part, uh, mm. just a refusal to understand what's going on in the world. And they are just pushing forward. And they want anybody who's willing to suggest that they should be questioned about this to go away. Earlier in the week, another NCBE leader had said, in a, had written a document which it said that questioning the relevance of the exam is not the examinee's job. The examinee's <laughs> job is to pass it. It's just a a refusal to care about anybody's any of these criticisms. So 
this was a threat. It was a threat, as I put it. It's only not a threat if you're the sort of person who believes a mobster saying, nice store you got here, shame if something happened to it, <laughs> is just encouraging your various business endeavors. That is not what's <laughs> happening. In the reality-based world, this was a threat, and it was targeted at these critics. And it is unfortunate that it's come to this. And if there's anything that's unprofessional going on in this, it is not the applicants who are criticizing the exam. It is the fact that the leadership of this organization feels the need to make veiled threats of people's licenses. To me, another point that I think always has to be mentioned, I think we might have said it in the past, but always needs to be mentioned when you're talking about the NCBE leadership, is that they're obviously pushing very hard for a bar exam, despite the folks' public health concerns and are, are staunchly against the move in various jurisdictions for diploma privilege. And yet they themselves have are the benefit of diploma privilege, right? Right. Uh, it, it is, it, it is at this point, I think, so oft said that everyone knows this. But, it needs to be said every time. But yes. It the, needs to be said every single time. The people who are making this push are themselves folks who never took a bar exam and were granted their law licenses based right, purely on Because Wisconsin has always ha has had diploma privilege for a real long time, yeah. and that's who these folks are. It, yeah. it, I mean, it's, it's, it needs to be said because the, the stark, hypocritical nature of what they're saying, it doesn't get old. It doesn't stop being astonishing, and particularly in the middle of the pandemic. It's very bad. And yeah, and so that is the kind of strong arm tactics that we had this week, which <laughs> is uh, not ideal. But, you know, it's becoming par for the course. We're seeing some folks rethink the September exams. We're seeing some questions being asked about the efficacy of online exams after what happened in Michigan and mm -hmm. the Indiana and Nevada situation. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see where this goes. Uh, certainly looking at COVID statistics, it does not look like we're going in a direction that's <laughs> going to make September look much better. And I actually think that one of the better one, one of the better skills that a, a pandemic can teach you is flexibility and learning that, you know, just because you've made a decision doesn't mean you need to stay with that decision in the light of new information. Mm -hmm. And I bring this up because that's something that we're seeing now in terms of law schools and classes. Georgetown University Law Center recently said that they originally in June had said that they were going to go in for full for classes. Everyone would have at least some in-person exams. But now they've they've kind of done an about face and said, oh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're definitely going to go online. And they're even giving a 5% uh, tuition cut for, for those who've been financially hurt by the pandemic. So it's kind of a one-time thing. So don't expect it next year. So you're thinking that they looked out and they just kind of understood where things were and they were worried about, about going forward with school? Yes. Yeah. You know what else you can be worried about? If you're worried about a contract deadline, Contract Tools by Paper Software is the most powerful, versatile, and full-featured Microsoft Word add-in for contracts. For less than a dollar a day, Contract Tools can help you navigate complex legalese, fix common contract drafting problems, and much more. See for yourself with a seven-day free trial. Go to papersoftware.com forward slash trial and get started today. So yeah, that's been that's been the what's going on I guess in the, the way that COVID has been messing everything up. It's interesting that they're they're cutting tuition. Now we've had mm -hmm. conversation on uh I don't I, I think don't, it was a COVID cast. I, I don't think this yeah. podcast, but a different podcast where we explored whether or not law schools should be giving tuition cuts. And we ultimately concluded they probably shouldn't. Right. A five percent drawback though, I think is probably appropriate. Fair. Yeah, yeah um, it's not Probably. A lot of people are claiming that if it's going to be online, it needs to be a more extreme cut, like 
fifty percent and stuff right. like that. I'm like, well, and then how are they going to pay their professors? Right, right. <laughs> you there, still need to there, pay your. There are fixed. There are sunk costs here right. that need to be recouped, and you are getting a law degree at the which end. is worth the exact same. No one's going to look at your Georgetown degree at the end and say, "Oh, but you went in 2020." Right, exactly. <laughs> if so, anything, they're going to say, "Wow, you went in 2020. Good job." <laughs> exactly. So that's why we've more or less taken the stance that mm. if there's any cuts, they would be very, very modest. You also sure. theoretically wouldn't be paying for room and board, so that you're already getting a bit of a deal. Yeah, Got to live somewhere, but yes. <laughs> well, true, true. But you don't have to pay <laughs> some them. cost and all. Yeah. Yes. So with with all that said, so that's uh, catching us up on law schools today. Uh, I was gonna before we got sidetracked in that. I was going to say that a new development when it comes to costs mm-hmm. is that did you know that Pacer still costs ten cents a page. That's hilarious, right? Like that, like that is somebody made a rule in you know 1991 when the internet was crazy, in a lawless place, and everything seemed very, very uh, challenging. And that's you know ten cents. I don't know. That's about how much it would cost to do a photocopy in the office, right? In fact, it was I believe six when it started. <laughs> uh, it has gone up over time. Sure. Okay, but you know, again, it seems like something that is that is. Not really. Well, the Federal Circuit agrees with you. Uh, in a new decision, the Federal Circuit had determined that the they affirmed the lower court that said that Pacer is charging people too much, and it's a ripoff. It is taking this money and spending it on programs that are not related to its mandate. Basically, the mandate is that this money is supposed to be used to ensure public access to the courts, and the folks behind Pacer were taking this money and creating a bunch of other programs that theoretically would need separate authorizations. They were just using it out of this like a like a giant slush fund based mm. on your interest in a complaint in some random district. So that was exciting. We don't know how this will play out necessarily. I mean, they are, are filing cert petitions and stuff over this. But sure. the one's hope would be that we would see some sort of a reduction in the cost of PACER. So you wouldn't find yourself constantly paying $3 bills every time you need some loquacious judge's opinion. That's fair. That's that's a fair point. We've got bar exams. We've got law schools. We're talking about PACER. What what else is happening? Well, uh, another kind of big story for us this week was the Kanye West presidential campaign. (laughs) which it's hard to say without laughing. But uh, it was revealed that a number of GOP operatives who either have worked for President Trump's reelection campaign or otherwise very involved in mainstream GOP causes are the ones who have been going around and trying to get Kanye on the ballot in various jurisdictions. And that would have been an interesting politics story and one we might probably would not have covered, but one of the folks involved, Lane uh, Ruland, uh, was is actually a big law attorney uh, who, like I think, it was ten days before filing paperwork in the state of Wisconsin to get Kanye on the ballot there. Also filed some court filings on behalf of President Trump's reelection campaign. So, as I said at the times, like you're a smart person, you can you can put these all together. You can you can follow follow the breadcrumbs here, and it's pretty clear that the higher ups in in the Trump campaign and the GOP in general have decided that the best way for them to win is to make sure that there are more candidates that will hopefully, in their minds, siphon voters away from Joe Biden. It's interesting and indicative of 
exactly where the party is on its outreach to black voters, that its logic is Kanye's black. I assume they'll <laughs> vote for him, which is not how these things work. Yeah. But sure, especially not. I mean, there's a there's a lot going on with Kanye, right? It's not just his political aspirations, which, you know, may or may not be a good thing, but there, there's obviously a lot going on there as well. And so, so is your point that there's some sort of conflict uh, ethically in some of the stuff that these lawyers are doing? I mean, technically, I suppose it's not in representing an adverse party just because they're adver- petitioning to be adverse on a ballot. Well, but I, I mean, that's the sort of conflict that potentially could be waived though, right? So if the yeah. if the campaign, if the if the re-election campaign was like we do not consider that to be a conflict of interests, that that's is something fair. that could be waived, right? So I it, I don't think that there's an ethical problem necessarily. I I do think that it's something everyone should be aware of uh, and I think that they think it absolutely is a political trick that, that folks are trying to put that these big law lawyers are lawyers trying to pull off and and I think people need to be aware of that. I think that's true. I mean, I that, that's a good point, that that conflict could be waived. It could be a situation where a malpractice sort of situation if Kanye is not aware of the conflict that exists, I suppose. Potentially. We're spitballing. This is a section of the show that we're <laughs> calling Issue Spotter, where we are just trying to figure out any kind of problems. But no, I, I think that's a fun thought experiment to go through because it's not like a adversarial court proceeding, but it Mm -hmm. is definitely a situation where the advice being received by one party is problematic. Well, but I mean, I guess we don't know exactly the nature of the advice that the Kanye West campaign is receiving. We know that they are being assisted in getting with with signatures and filing that paperwork with state officials. Mm. Right. And so I'm not sure that that even if you know, hypothetically speaking, the West campaign was unaware of the joint representation, not that, or the representation for the president's reelection campaign. I'm not sure that it would have changed, materially changed the actions that were taken. So I'm not sure that there's really much of a conflict, even in, you know, construing everything in the worst possible light. I'm, I'm not sure there's a conflict even then. Mm. But again, something we should absolutely be talking about. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. What else has been happening I don't know, man. Feels like we just talked about a lot of stuff. These days and weeks are still being really weird. Mm. Like, I feel like, are we in August already? We are. That seems very strange. No, we are definitely in August. We are, you know, trying to figure things out as best we can. We are, we really did not come into this with uh, much of a plan today. And well, you came. You came. I blame in you. This mo- it's okay. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. Uh, you came in this morning so hot about the NCBE issue that I was like, oh, well, that's easy. We'll just we'll just riff on that for a half hour because you came in real hot. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's frustrating. It feels like an attack on the whole profession when you start saying that we're going to retaliate against people offering criticism by messing with their licenses. I mean that that feels like a core attack on the whole the profession as a whole so okay break that down a little i'm not whatever but it seems to me like you know petty defenses of folks's position and authority is is very much in line with what a lot of folks think about lawyers (laughs) but no i mean it's arguing that you will prevent people from getting licenses for expressing advocacy seems like a core attack on the concept of being a lawyer. 
you can disagree with them, but you can't be trying to prevent them mm-hmm. from doing their, you know, performing their livelihood. I, that It's just really problematic. And I think it's indicative of, you know, maybe, you know, as I say, may, maybe the NCBE does have a point. Maybe if these people who run the NCBE had taken a, law, a bar exam, they wouldn't be so unprofessional. But, <laughs> uh, well, diploma privilege does not mean you avoid yeah, the character and fitness I part <laughs> of licensure. Yeah, no, it, but that, that was my deep concern about it. It's bad. People need to stand up to it. And we need to... It's also just kind of galling in the sense that it flies in the face of a lot of public health information, a lot of their positions on this. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, whether or not it's it's fair to say that, you know, criticizing the NCBE is problematic, uh, put that to one side, when the NCBE is going against a lot of public health information, when there's a lot of good reason to suspect that, they are, that bar exams are, you know, potential super spreader events, we know for a fact that several people who've already taken the July exam had the coronavirus were diagnosed shortly after taking the exam. Well, we know one, yes. Yeah. And so given that set of information, it seems even more problematic. Yeah, it's not good. I think it's incumbent upon attorneys to keep the pressure up on this. And I think it's incumbent now on state bar examiners and the state bar associations and city bars. And I Mm -hmm. think everybody in a position of authority at this point needs to start. State legislatures are taking this up. We have gotten state legislatures in New York to to pick this up, uh, but it, it's important. State Supreme and, Courts. Yeah, and we've, we've had a mixed bag of the response to it, and it's it's bad. And I, I just hope, if there's any good thing to come out of this threat, it's that it hopefully unmasks for those people who are still kind of sitting on the fence and thinking, well, is this really important? I mean, we now have the entity that mm-hmm. has a financial interest in keeping this going, coming right out and saying that they're willing to take, well, well, intimating that they are willing to take action against their critics, which that should be off-putting enough to make you, even if you're a supporter of the bar exam, reconsider whether or not this makes any sense. But also seems peak 2020. I mean, (laughs) not to be a downer here, but, you know, to be a bit of a downer here. Yeah. So that works for us. I got nothing. So anyway... Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Uh, next week, hopefully, there'll be many more exciting things coming up so that we can... Right. Predict what the stories of the next week are going to be. They will... Oh, we should play that game? Let's, pre- let's play that game. Like, listen... How uh, bad can it get? How bad can it get, right? I mean, Murder Hornets is already off the table. Uh, hurricanes are already off the table. Mass blackouts have already happened this week. Well, well we had... Uh, yeah, that, that's actually one fair point. One of the reasons why we're a little bit behind on story content here is that we had hurricanes knock out yeah. uh, our ability to keep up with the world. So we're just <laughs> now not, catching up. It's not just us. I, I, you know, I was looking at something online and, and folks were talking about how like it kind of has felt like a vacation the last couple of days because no one has power or internet, you know, at least in the Northeast, there's large chunks of folks who are without sort of the basics that make working remotely possible. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so thank you, everybody, for joining us today. You should be subscribed to the show to get new episodes. You should be giving it reviews, stars, write something. It's super important to have those words there so that it picks up in the algorithm. You should be reading Above the Law. As always, follow us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at 
Catherine One, which is the numeral one. Special thanks to Paper Software for their sponsorship today. Contract Tools is the tool that you want to be looking into. You should be listening to the Jabot, Catherine's other show. You should listen to our special COVID cast reports. You should listen to the other offerings of the Legal Talk Network. And with all of that said, we will talk to you later. Bye. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.